Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to round two of Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. I say round two because this is round two with Hall of Fame college football coach Barry Alvarez, who just a month ago stepped down as the athletic director, where he's been the AD at the University of Wisconsin since 2004. You know, last week we talked a lot about um, his career as a coach, uh, as a person, growing up in Pennsylvania, small coal mining town, population of barely over 700. Um, went to the University of Nebraska, coached under Bob Devaney, coached under Hayden Fry and Lou Holtz at Notre Dame. Um, but after leaving as a college football head coach, he has still been a huge force in the college football game. Athletic director since 2004, stepping down here in 21. He was one of the 13 original members of the college football playoff, which of course took the place of the BCS. He's been a broadcaster for national championship college football games. And think about everything going on in college athletics. Kids are getting paid, making marketing deals. Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12 and go to the SEC. Does that now start a domino changing the landscape of college athletics? What's the Big 10 going to do? All of these questions and more we will address with Barry Alvarez next on Dialed In with Tom Brennan. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist, call one 844 Y-E-S-C-H-N-K. Living with Change is a nonprofit organization supporting transgender youth and their families. Transgender youth face higher rates of violence, victimization, substance abuse, suicide risk, and homelessness, but have few resources to help deal with those issues. To combat those numbers and in partnership with Cincinnati's Children's Hospital, LWC created with Living with Change Center for Gender Health serving more transgender patients and families than any other center in the Midwest. For more, please log on to livingwithchange.org. Welcome back to Dialed In with Barry Alvarez, head coach of the University of Wisconsin, won three Rose Bowls, became the athletic director in 2004. Now, now, now Barry, for those of us who have lived the life um, and I say it, it really is a life, uh, whether you're a coach, whether you're a local broadcaster, say for a major league baseball team where you're traveling, you're doing 162 games a year, uh, you know, you, you're working nights, 
You're traveling all over the country. Uh, you have to be on a lot. And now you go to an office job. How hard was that transition? Walking away from being on that field and in those meetings and around those kids. And yeah, in your job, you're still around the kids. But, but to go into an office every day. Well, you know, Tom, I, I kind of eased into it. I did both jobs for two years. Uh, I had a good, uh, a good deputy in Jamie Pollard, who's done a tremendous job at, at Iowa State. But Jamie, I made Jamie the deputy, deputy athletic director. He ran day to day, and I told the, the chancellor when he when he asked me to do both jobs, I'm not going to cheat football. I'm going to take care of football. Uh, I'll make all the decisions in, in, as far as the athletic director's job. But Jamie will do the day to day, and so, but there was never any downtime you know, at that point. So when I get stepped back from football and then went to the AD's job, the thing that, that you don't realize in the director's job, there are so many layers and so many people pulling at you. The one thing that I missed more than anything was being with the players and knowing the players, getting close to the players and your assistant coaches, cause they're your family. I mean, you spent so many hours with those guys. Um, but it was a, diff- it was a different, you know, you're making decisions, and that's the thing I think got athletic directors who've been head coaches, I think they have a little advantage. I mean, they're used to making tough decisions, quick decisions, um, uh, but you, you don't build the relationships that you had in football. But uh, you kept plenty busy. Uh, it was just a different, different type of busy, different type of stress. Um, you know, the, I tell the athletic directors, guys, you think our job is stressful, and it is. The athletic director's job is very difficult, but there's nothing like the stress of, of sitting behind that desk of a head football coach. So I, I, I make the ADs understand that. Was the whole COVID thing, Barry, the last straw for you in having to navigate that as the athletic director a year ago? I mentioned uh, earlier you, you just stepped down last month in July. W- w- was COVID kind of or, 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 or had you already decided this was it? Yeah. I was gonna. I, actually, I was gonna retire the January prior, and uh, and I told our my chancellor, you know, I, th- this wouldn't be right to hand this pass the baton to a new athletic director and let him make the decisions on furloughs and, and layoffs and pay cuts and you know asking head coaches and you know, our top uh, earners to take a fifteen percent cut. That wouldn't be fair to somebody. Let me let me get us through COVID. And then I'll retire. But I, I, I talked to you know I, I had a date to retire already, and 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 she felt it was the the right thing to do. So I went through it. It was probably the most difficult time of uh, that I could ever remember. Uh, very very difficult. Very stressful. Uh, it, it just you just felt gutted day in and day out because everything changed and there was everything was so fluid. Uh, but yet you had to make decisions and, and trying to put together a season. You know, when things changed on what you knew about the virus and how it affected athletes, and, and not athletes, but people, you know, it was, it was really hard. You get a chance to broadcast um, for a couple of years, and, and you and I get paired up with Charles Davis to do uh, the old BCS before what we know now is a college football playoff. And the very first game we do 
is uh, one of the most memorable games in the history of college football. It was a 2007 Fiesta Bowl when Boise State upsets Oklahoma. Adrian Peterson's playing for Oklahoma. Boise State, a lot like I made reference to Wisconsin earlier, for a lot of people now they look at Boise State and say, well, why would that be a surprise? Boise State can play with anybody. That wasn't the case back then. Nobody saw this coming. They had offensive linemen that weighed 255 pounds. Um, I'll never forget that game, Barry, when – when on fourth down, Boise State is uh, they they got to go for it because they're down by seven in the final seconds of the game, and they have the wide receiver throw the ball on fourth down. He throws a touchdown. The crowd's going crazy. Um, you know we're sitting there wondering: are they going for two? Or are they going to kick the extra point? But I'll never forget while the crowd's going crazy, I take off my headset, I push the button. I don't know if you remember this or not, but. I push the button to cut off my mic. I, I signal to you to take off your headset, and I look at you, and I, I ask the question while the crowd's still going crazy. I said, what would have happened if your offensive coordinator on fourth down and goal would have called that play for the wide receiver to be the one who throws the pass? And basically, in a nutshell, you said that son of a bitch would be fired right on, right on the spot. <laughs> I mean, it was something to you know to that extent. Maybe not with that vulgarity, but I'll never forget that answer you gave right in the middle of that whole thing. I mean, was that not just an incredible game? I think about that all the time. Think about this now. That that's a great Oklahoma Oklahoma team. They went they had to go eighty yards. They go hook and lateral. Yep. Statue of Liberty, halfback pass. That's that's. That's the the progression to win the game in the in those closing minutes. Unbelievable, and you had to be a good defense to get get to pull those things off. If, if you don't, you know, you know how the defense is going to react according to what you do on on a good offensive team, and they they executed those plays. It was unbelievable. It, I think about it all the time. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, that was the old BCS. Now, you fast forward, you're one of the uh, 13 inaugural members of the college football playoff in 2014. Before I ask you about the changes that are coming with that, as you look back on it, Barry, has has the, the four-team format, by and large, accomplished what you guys hope it would? Yeah, I think so, Tom. I, I think, you know, having two teams, uh, the BCS was good. Four teams was better. Even though there was a lot of controversy, um, I think it was much better. I think, you know, I made the statement two years ago, uh, expansion is in- inevitable. Um, you know, you, 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 it, this is right now we're, we're putting a – we're cramping college football. Um, you know, I, I think we have to have, leave it open. You know, you've got four teams and, and you've got announcers the first week of the season, somebody loses and they're talking about them – being out of contention for the mm-hmm. champ. Yep. That's not good for college football. No. By expanding it, I think it keeps the interest in college football throughout the season. More interest, uh, more accessibility for other teams. Whether they can win them or not, somebody's going to have a chance. You're going to have a Boise State. You're going to have someone step up and, and, and pull off upsets. That's, that's going to happen. So I, I think it's inevitable. But I think, I think the, the four-team uh, – was was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed, and I'm glad I was on that first committee. Some tremendous people on that on that committee. A lot of thought 
uh, went into it. a lot of preparation. Everybody was able to share their, you know, share their thoughts and their views in those meetings. And, uh, you know, then, then, then we would vote and make decisions. Could you explain something to me? I've always wondered this, and I've never asked you this, but, you know, why can't Division One college football run the same kind of playoff that Division Two and Division Three run? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that. I think, you know, I, 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 see, I hear the other, those other divisions when coaches are saying it's too many games. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's what they do now. Um, I, you know, I think, I think 12, I, I like the number 12. I like, I like act, that access. I think a couple of things, Tom, if you go to 12, coaches will adjust how they practice to save their kids. But, you know, I go back, I can remember when I took, when I took this job in 1990, it was hundred I think it was 120 scholarships. Now we're down to 85. So if you're going to ask them to play more games, I think you're going to have to have to ask for more scholarships and maybe another ten scholarships to, to help with your depth to play more games. Um, a, a lot of news, obviously huge news. I think it shook the entire college athletic world about Texas and Oklahoma almost in the dark of night, um, deciding to leave uh, the Big Twelve and move to the SEC. Were you shocked by that? Yeah, kind of ambushed. You know, I, I was at the Big Ten Media Days, and all of a sudden I've got a herd of uh, media coming up and asking me my opinion. And I, I said, what? And no one at that time had confirmed it. And I said, I find this, I find this timing is very strange. We're in the middle of, uh, of our media days at the Big Ten. Southeast Conference had theirs last week the previous week you know why is this breaking now uh and no one would confirm it now we, we found it's been confirmed I, I think i think oklahoma and texas initiated it um i think you know you look you read and you, you know the business a little bit you know that they they probably felt that they they brought more to the to the table to the big 12 than the rest of the league combined and and we're looking to you know monetize their their value a little better than than it had been in the Big 12. Well, now you hear about a meeting uh, that takes place with the Big 10 and the ACC and a Pac-12 and all that kind of stuff. Do, 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 you, do you believe, uh, you know, what some have speculated, that this whole kind of thing now is a domino effect? And, and where does it ever end? Well, you know, I don't think necessarily uh, you're going to see expansion with all the current leagues. You might have alliances. I think that's more the discussion you know, uh, alliances which would uh, combine these leagues for mutually agree on, on, on different voting aspects, um, possibly recruiting alliances uh, amongst the leagues, which would be very valuable. You know, I think, you know, you, you talk to the TV people, you know, they didn't like the days when you had four non-conference games and, and, and a lot of schools would have four patsies. Those are those games are invaluable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I mean, not they're, they're worthless. They're, they're they're not valuable. But if you start pairing up, you know, you go right down the list and pair up, you know, the top teams in different leagues as half of your non-conference. Now you have some value there, and it's good for football. It's good for the leagues. Uh, it's good for television. 
Now, all of a sudden, players have the ability to make money. Uh, you hear both sides. Uh, good for the kids, long overdue, they deserve it, so on and so forth. You also hear this is a slippery slope. Um, where do you come down on all this? Well, first of all, I've always been in favor of anything you can do for the athletes. Uh, I'm in favor of um, um, I was. I've been concerned with this as far as uh, uh, using this as a recruiting tool, which obviously it's, it's, it's happened already. Um, uh, unintended consequences and, you know, really puts a big burden on your, on, on coaches. You know, you get some kids that, that really don't understand at all. And uh, more could, some could get more interested in this than, than, than playing football. And so, um, a lot of unintended consequences, but I think in the long run, I think it could be worked out, and I think it's really good for the for the student athletes. But but is this one of those deals, Barry, where where there are going to be clear cut winners and losers? Where all of a sudden, I'm not ever going to say, and, and you, you're walking around with your head in the clouds, as somebody if they think that you know uh, all schools are on an equal footing because that's just unrealistic. But you know, are the schools with big, huge athletic budgets? Uh, even though it's not coming out of the athletic budget. But, you know, our, our big, huge schools like Wisconsin, like Ohio State, like Alabama or Penn State or Michigan, I mean, are they at a, a, a big, huge advantage the way all this plays out? Well, they've been – most of those schools, you know, your brand schools have been have had an advantage to start with. Sure. Um, you know, and location has a – and the type of city you come from. Uh, determines that I, I, you know, I know some schools they're going to try to use this as a as as their recruiting tool and 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 prom, you know, and let athletes know as you're recruiting, you're, this is how much you're going to, this is what your value is at our place. You know, you've got sponsors that are they're sitting here ready uh, to, to 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 sign you up uh, for you to represent them. Uh, you be one of their representatives for X amount of dollars. Uh, you know, maybe maybe this is a way to get it out on the table and know what 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 athletes are making. Barry Alvarez, you're a college football Hall of Famer. Um, you're a confident guy. I mean, there are no two ways about it. I did not know you when you were an assistant coach or a high school coach back in Nebraska and Iowa. But being a Hall of Famer, um, that's a long way, my friend, from a, a town of of around 700 people in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it is. You know, I, when I went into the Hall of Fame, I did an interview with the, I think it was the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And the, the, the uh, sports writer said, does it surprise you that a to- someone from the, the, a town of your size would be going into the Hall of Fame? I said, no, it doesn't surprise me a bit. I said, who's had better mentors? I, I grew up with good coaches. I played for Bob, Bob, Bob Devaney. Uh, one of the greatest coaches of all times. I coached with Hayden Fry, coached with Lou Holtz. You know, uh, who's been better prepared than I have? You know, so uh, am I surprised? No. The most important question of all, and I thought I heard her voice here in the background since you're laid up with a uh, knee replacement, is your bride, Cindy, and what a piece of work she is. 53 years you two have been married. So when all is said and done, all the rest of this nonsense we've talked about over the last two weeks is fine. But for those of us 
that are married and grinding and just like everybody else listening right now, what is the Alvarez's secret to 53 years? Because you guys still really have fun, and you're fun to be around together. You know what? If someone asked that uh, last week, we, we were out to dinner with a couple other couples, and, and that was a question. And we looked at each other. We came up. We don't take each other very serious. You know, we, 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 we torture each other. You know, we tease each other, and we laugh and, and, and retell the story. You know, um, we love being around our kids and grandkids, but uh, we don't take our, our, our ourselves too serious. We, you know, we're, we're going to have fun. Uh, if, if somebody shows a sign of weakness, man, we're going to tease them about it. Uh, that, that's the way we go. That's, I mean, that's the way we roll. Well, it's amazing to be around the two of you, and I, I certainly feel blessed to have had those times together. Not a ton of them, but the times that we have been together, I've enjoyed every single minute of it with her and, and your kids and, and now your grandkids, and I know you're loving every moment of that. And and I can't thank you enough, Barry, for taking the time to join us over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you are a piece of work, and, and I don't know how it came up with the, uh, the nickname the, um, the Godfather, but you are the Godfather. And have always been and always will be. Barry Alvarez, thank you very much for your time. What a, I hope you've enjoyed these last couple of weeks, everybody, with, uh, with Barry Alvarez. I mean, th- this guy is just, he's the same guy, and you read stories about him, of, of guys that grew up with him in Pennsylvania, played high school football with him in Pennsylvania in a coal mining town, and they'll tell you he's the same guy now that he was then. And I have no doubt that's true. I didn't know him then. But I have no doubt that that is 100% accurate. Barry Alvarez, our guest on Dialed In. We thank Dave Arbrewster, our engineer and producer. We thank the Believe Network. And we'll look forward to catching you again with Dialed In with Tom Brenneman again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.